This is the Dad Devotionals Podcast with Dave Domzowski. Each week, I'll bring you compelling interviews that'll educate, inspire, and motivate you to become the father and husband our Lord called you to be. We're a community of devoted dads who want to strengthen our faith and family and live out our true purpose in this life. Please, won't you join us? Just text me at 717-913-5671, and you'll be welcomed into my Devoted Dads community. And if you want to support the podcast, we invite you to purchase a product, a book, or a course in our affiliate shop on daddevotionals.com. You can also contribute monthly at patreon.com slash daddevotionals. Now, here's today's show. God bless. Guys, let's talk about self-care for just a second. We're not getting any younger. The stress of kids and work just wreak havoc on our skin. That's why you need to check out Molina New York. With their non-toxic organic products, Molina is the answer to men's self-care. They have great organic olive oil, natural sunscreen, and organic lip balm. Not to mention organic natural bug spray, perfect for summer. And we can't forget their bestseller for both men and women, their natural deodorant. The founder even told me it passed the marathon test in the New York City heat. Can you believe that? They're a Christian family small business, and the owner is a wife of a U.S. Marine. This Father's Day, support one of our own and ask for Molina New York. Go to daddevotionals.com slash Molina for 10% off your order with code DAD. That's M-A-L-I-N-A, daddevotionals.com slash Molina. Today's guest is Elisa Cadigan. She's the Director of Arts, Outreach, and Community Resources at Adams County Arts Council here in my neck of the woods, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Lisa is the creator and driving force behind the People Project, which brings the local community here in Adams County together as creators and storytellers. The People Project has had many different themes over the years since it launched in 2017, this year's theme being My Place at the Table, which is something we know to be so important as dads especially as we raise our young kids in this world. Lisa, welcome to Dad Devotionals. It's so great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Excellent. Well, to kick things off, Lisa, let's, um, let, why don't you tell us what you want the fathers and everyone listening, frankly, uh, to take away from our chat today? Well, we are still in the process of looking for people who are interested in sharing stories as part of this performance and exhibit event. And so through the end of June, I will be asking people to contact me with their ideas. Um, We are also looking for visual artists or musicians, anyone that has a creative endeavor they'd like to share to be part of this community project. Oh, that's wonderful. So before we get into this year's theme, which I really do want to explore with you, let's talk about the beginnings of the People Project. That's an interesting story, if I recall. Sure. Yeah. So I started the People Project in 2017 as a guest artist at Gettysburg College. Um, I had participated as a performer in a similarly formatted performance in Washington, D.C. in 2014 and thought it would be a great project to bring back to our community. Um, So the first year we did stories of compassion, empathy and diversity. And I worked with about 10 students from Gettysburg College. And I worked with them on editing personal narrative stories that they had written and how they could deliver them on stage to a live audience. It was a very simple format to start. 
Um, but it went very well and people had a good experience. And so they invited me back again in 2018. We did a show called Stories from Home, Stories of Home, sorry. Um, which again, my purpose was looking for stories on a common theme, but from a variety of diverse perspectives. And so with something like home, depending on what your upbringing was like or where you lived, where you grew up, if it was the city, the country, or another country from the United States, your story was going to be very different from the person sitting next to you. And so we had another really wonderful selection of stories from people, uh, about 10 people again, uh, read on stage at the Stevens Theater, which is the black box at Gettysburg College. <clears throat> Following that, I skipped 2019. I was busy doing some other things. But in 2020, the YWCA approached me and they had been collecting stories um, from people in the area who had suffered from discrimination of some sort, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of racist stories, uh, racism stories, okay. and they wanted a platform to share those uh, for the same purposes as my project. So we, again, the interesting part of that particular project was a lot of the people that they had collected stories from were not comfortable standing in front of an audience sure. and saying them out loud. So we got together a group of students and I did require that they share their own story of feeling other or outside mm -hmm. of something. It didn't necessarily have to be you know, oppression or racism, um, but we had a very diverse cast that year, which was lovely. And they also reenacted some of the stories the Y had collected from, wow. from their population. And so we were fortunate enough that that performance happened the week before everything shut down for COVID. <laughs> yeah. We got in right at the skin of our teeth. Right. Um, and we got we had started getting some nice press coverage for it. And then of course the world shut down for two years. So absolutely. Um, the, the year later, I had joined the staff here at the Adams County Arts Council, and I was just part-time, but I was doing outreach programs. And of course, with the COVID restrictions, a lot of the after-school programs had been completely canceled, and yet I had grant money that I needed to be engaging young people in after-school programs. So we converted the People Project to an after-school program that was done sort of hybrid. I did meet with students um, in person occasionally, but the final project rather than a live performance was a video. Mm. And this was a really interesting iteration of the project because it opened up possibilities to include other things besides just the storytelling. Right. Um, because we were in a video, we could, we invited visual artists to present. And I realized I had been leaving out the voices of people with really incredible ideas to share who are not necessarily comfortable standing up in front of an audience. Um, this was mostly middle school and high school students that participated. And I had some just great, beautiful art that was shared. The theme that year was how are you using creativity to cope with mm. the challenges of the pandemic? Sure. Um, my visual artists, I found it really interesting that they weren't willing to be interviewed on camera, but they would record voice memos on their phones uh, about their art. And then I could do like a slideshow through the video where you heard their voice explaining what it was that they had, they were presenting. So cool. that came into play. Um, we also had the orchestra at the high school and middle school director, Krista Creel in Gettysburg, um, share some video footage from Zoom rehearsals she'd been doing and, and virtual concerts that they had done. We had a few singers come forward uh, from the music 
from the community theater who had been trying to perform during this shutdown. Um, so it just became a huge multimedia video experience. So fast forward one more year and the PA Humanities uh, opened up a grant for part of the American Rescue Plan. And my executive director at the time and I decided, wow, let's just go big with this project. We'll just expand it even further. We'll take all the things we learned from putting in the video and all the things from the in-person performances mm-hmm. that we really missed that component of it. And we'll put together this project. And if we get funded, great. And if not, you know, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. And we were fortunate enough to be funded by PA Sharp is the name of the grant. Mm-hmm. We were funded one of 92 projects across the state, mm-hmm. you know, over 300 people or organizations applied and we yeah. received the highest tier of funding and we have a grant to do this now. So um, the first step was to start focus groups with community members to develop a theme. So I just want to back up a minute. One of the most important parts of this project is that it is participant driven. Every year that I've done it, it's been a completely different experience because of the combination of people who are involved in it. So um, they choose the theme, they write the stories, um, and then we craft them in an arc to put them together in a way that's compelling for an audience. And so I have no idea how it's all going to turn out, but I know that I've had a lot of interest so far. So it's very exciting. Um, PA Humanities is very excited about the project. They invited me to Harrisburg to speak to the Legislative Caucus for Arts and Culture about the project. Um, so it's just it's been really exciting to see it evolve and like I said, right now, we we had a few focus groups in February. We did an online survey across the community in March, and that's how we came up with the theme, My Place at the Table. And now we're starting to collect stories and art. So. Oh, it's, it's just a, such a beautiful story about the stories of other people, um, that w- what they're sharing and in the community. I mean, storytelling is, you know, so crucial and such a big part of who we are as human beings. Absolutely. Uh, that it's just, it's beautiful that you've been able to bring this together to the community and now also online. I mean, so yes, the pandemic, you know, got in the way of having it be, being done live and, and in person, but in a way it also opened up your eyes to say, hey, there's a whole nother crux of creators out here and storytellers that we can bring into the fold. And now look at, here we are in 2022 and look at the hybrid method you have going on. Just Well, just and I think that's just a life lesson too, right? That if every time there's a big challenge, you try and look for the shiny part on the other side, you know, yeah. there's something good that has to come of it if you, if you look hard enough. So yeah, I do feel really fortunate. And then you're working with, you know, younger folks. I mean, having that public speaking ability, um, having that ability to present your ideas I mean, just in any in any subset, not just a job, but also if you're volunteering, as you become a parent down the road, if you want to ever take any kind of leadership role, you got to put yourself out there a little bit. So I think it's really cool. I mean, it's it's a it's not meant to be a quote resume builder, but in very many ways, you get to display your talent and then also uh, share it with folks. And that's just a that's a concept and a and a skill that is just I mean, it's just so needed nowadays, especially. Well, Young people want to hide behind the screens anyway. I know, right? (laughs) But I do want to stress, it's not just for young people. Like we will have students who are involved, but I'm encouraging their teachers to submit and their families to submit. What the goal is to have a cross section of the community of all ages and backgrounds and from all across the county, not just Gettysburg Central. So um, yeah, so that's the, that's the real goal is to have a 
as diverse a cast as we can have that represents Adams County. So I, I love it because that that way, you know, everyone can teach each other. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> some of the older folks that may not be as tech savvy can learn from the younger folks and th- those who are more seasoned in their delivery can, uh, you know, can give each other some tips. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we take a break, I do want to ask you that, you know, you've been doing this since 2017. Um, we, we got an idea of how it came about, why people get involved, but can you touch on a little bit more? Why do people keep, why do you keep doing it? And why do people keep coming back to you and, and, and uh, sharing this with, with others? Well, like you said, I think storytelling is such a huge part of the human experience. And I originally started it. So the first performance that I did, the theme of the show was, it was called Listen to Your Mother was the name of the show. And you can actually um, Google it and see hundreds of videos of people who have participated in that particular syndicated version of a show, right? So I kind of lifted the format and and the way that I do it, it doesn't have to do with motherhood, but the original show was something that was performed across the country on Mother's Day or Mother's Day weekend or thereabouts each year. And the way that you were invited to participate was by submitting a story that had something to do with motherhood. You didn't have to be a mother. You could just have a mother. Like everybody has, you know, an experience with motherhood in some way. Sure. Um, And the result was just this really moving collection of stories. Some were heartbreaking. Others were hysterical. We know that as parents, like our kids make us laugh they make us cry. You know, um, I just was always amazed at the, the breadth of experiences that you could, that you could listen to or witness in just an hour, an hour long show of about 10 people who were sharing their stories. And at that time, things were, I mean, I, maybe it was before that time too, but certainly at that time, things were just starting to feel so polarized. And I've always been a believer that we have so much more in common than not with the people next to us. Um, I think we all want the same things and we just can't always agree on how to get there. Right. So I thought it would be really nice to bring that format of a project to the community and just invite people to talk about their personal stories on a theme. Because when you hear the perspective of another person and it's something that really opens your eyes that you've never experienced before, it just, it makes you appreciate them a little bit more deeply. Um, it opens the door for empathy and compassion. And I think that's the key to solving a lot of the world's problems is just seeing people as people who are all more than one thing and whose stories are just as valuable and as divine, I guess, as, as yours, you know, everyone's path and journey is so sacred. And if we can really open our eyes and listen without judgment, um, we just come to a better place of understanding and cooperation. So that's why I keep doing it. No, I, I love that. I mean, this is primarily for for a Christian audience. I mean, that's that's what we preach here at Dad Devotionals. I mean, it's it's about coming together. It's about coming mm-hmm. together for in our sense. Well, our message here is about coming together as God's people. And I think what I loved about your project is that I, I think it really represents that, and it represents the essence of what I want to try to convey for dads. In fact, I thought for 2023 we could do a Father Knows Best. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you should come and put that into the mix we had a really great uh conversation at our focus group um you know the questions that were posed to the people were you know thinking of themes that really reflected the people of adams county and so we came to 
my place at the table because we live in this agricultural place um, that's a place of bounty and beauty. And then we also talked about the fact that we spent a lot more time around our family dinner tables during COVID than maybe we had in the past, that our method of being around the table had changed. Um, you know, restaurant industry could come into play in this theme. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, just metaphorically, my place at the table can mean my place in my family, my place in my community, my place in the world. And so there's no wrong answer of how to write a story with that theme. It just has to be a first person account of something meaningful to you that you could share with an audience. I I love that so much. Well, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. When we come back, we'll chat more with Lisa about the people project. We'll be right back folks. Hey dads, are you responsible for your household or business finances? If so, check out my website, runthemoney.com. Run the Money is the place for money management tips for saving more, paying off debt, and budgeting. I also give you ideas and information for starting a side business. If you're in between jobs or need a way to get a better handle on your family's money, go to runthemoney.com for free articles on money management. That's runthemoney.com, R-U-N-T-H-E-M-O-N-E-Y, all one word, runthemoney.com. I'll see you there. Want to start a website for your family business? Check out Bluehost and get everything you need to start up your own website. Select your domain, a design template, and get the right hosting plan. Whether you're starting or growing a digital business, brick and mortar shop, or you're selling eggs on the family farm, Bluehost can help you get your business online. Plans for Dad Devotionals listeners and RunTheMoney.com fans start at $2.95 per month with a free domain for one year. Go to runthemoney.com slash bluehost and sign up. That's runthemoney.com slash bluehost. Get it done. All right, we're back with Lisa Cadigan. Lisa is a director at Adams County Arts Council in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. She's the creator of The People Project, which uplifts our local community by connecting people through story. All right, so... You've touched on this a little bit, but I, w- I want to take maybe a little bit of a deeper dive. Let's get into this year's theme, My Place at the Table. Why this concept? Why now? Why You, you mentioned the people at the, at the focus group. Why did they decide on this? Well, the decision didn't really happen at the focus group. The focus group, they brainstormed just lists and lists of, of ideas for potential themes. And then my colleague and I, um, Ken, Karen Hendricks of Hendricks Communications, is working with me on the public relations and marketing aspect of the project. And she and I got together and we looked through all of the lists that people had, you know, compiled or that we'd compiled from, you know, the different groups that had attended uh, the meetings and there were common themes in, in a lot of them. And so a lot of people talked about food as a connecting thing, which, you know, of course it is and not just as um, you know, that food can bring back, such visceral memories of your childhood. There are certain smells and tastes and traditions that, you know, will have you reflect on your own life. And, and then again, like I mentioned before, we, we live in such an agricultural community and it can be so beautiful during the different seasons to see how food production happens and just the blossoming of the flowers and the changing of the trees and the whole cyclical nature of growing and providing bounty for our community, you know, and for the world. And so that was something that was recurring as well. Um, 
some of the other things that came up that were really popular were stories of the past, the present and the future. Cause we live in such a historical mm. area. Um, and so by the end of the focus groups, we actually had five potential themes that we put out to the community and then had people vote on which one they liked best. But in all honesty, there were, and I can't remember exactly what the wording for all three were, but there were three that were neck and neck for a lot of the voting. And then the past, present and future and the, my place at the table sort of went back and forth. They flipped and who was winning <laughs> until the very end. And then my place at the table came up, but in all honesty, you could, tie all the themes into my place at the table too. You know, there's just, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of versatility. I want to keep it as wide open as possible because the whole idea is to get individual perspectives that are different, you know, when, when they're being shared. No, no. And I, and I love that, but uh, for, for a second here, can you help me zone in on the dads out there listening? Sure. Um, You know, you talk about my place at the table. How can we encourage our children to understand this concept, you know, help them understand where their place is in the family, where their place is maybe in this community, and then maybe even the, the you know, the world at large in a sense. How can we help them find their place at the table? Well, I live in metaphors in my head. <laughs> so I Love actually it. just wrote my first column. I was recently promoted to executive director here at the Arts Council. And congratulations. I, thank you very much. <laughs> I had to write my first column that appeared in the Gettysburg Times last week. And I wrote about my gratitude for my place at the table was mm. my little spin on the column. And I talked about just being a child. Um, I'm the youngest well, no, I'm the oldest of four, but my mother is the youngest of six. So um, at big family gatherings, my siblings and I are always at the kids' table, like still. <laughs> We're always at the kids' Love table. Love it. Love it. And so I talked about it, how, um, you know, being at the kids' table, I always wished I was at the grown up table, but there's a safety at being at the kids' yeah. table because. You can do and say whatever you want, and you just get to enjoy the party while the grown-ups really have to, you know, once you actually start planning the parties, you realize how much stress the logistics oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the family dynamics that. and all that stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, there's just one example of it's about taking the theme and relating it to a very personal story. So I could tell you hundreds of stories about being a child sitting at the table. And like I said, I'm the oldest of four and we would all have a bowl of ice cream and we would try and see who could finish last because then we would get to enjoy the ice cream in front of everybody else. Like, ha ha, I still have ice cream. You know? uh, siblings, <laughs> There's man. a story. And how can you take a story like that and apply it to the learning that you've done in your adult life or your position in the community or something like that. Like that's just one way of sure. potentially applying it. But I think, you know, that's how I, my brain works a lot. <laughs> well, I think it's funny. I mean, you, you got the, your executive director, so you're at the head of the board table, but you still got to mm-hmm. sit at the kid's table. Well, and that was in the article too, because yeah. I said, you know, this summer I'm moving to the grown up table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. that that's great. <laughs> well, now we're going to get to know you a little bit more because we're going to okay. we're going to do the lightning round. It's five quick questions. First, you know, first uh, thing that comes to your mind. And really, we're looking for, you know, like 30 second answers, that kind of thing. So are you ready? Sure. All right. So you are a parent. What is the most rewarding thing about being a parent? The most rewarding thing about being a parent. I have a son who 
sees the world in a completely different way than I do. <clears throat> he was one of these kids that did not follow the developmental chart at all. And I always was a very type A person, <clears throat> excuse me, who believed in, you know, input outcome, input outcome. And he taught me just to not have expectations in life, like to try and see the world from other people's perspectives and appreciate that. And I feel like I'm a better and more empathetic human being for having parented him. It's amazing what parenthood teaches you. I love that. Oh, That's it a great is. lesson. And they're little reflections of you that whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we could talk a whole, whole, whole podcast. We could do another hour, hour on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what is the most difficult thing about being a parent? Oh, that's an interesting question. I'm sorry. I'm, ah, nothing's coming to did my I, head. Did I stump you? <clears throat> a little. <laughs> um, I mean, not that it's easy, but yeah. it's just, I don't know. I've tried so hard. Some people have a favorite time of, you know, parenting, like they're best with really small people or they're best with teenagers. And I've really enjoyed all of it. Like I have a 15 year old daughter and a 19 year old son, and they are so different. They're both so different. I guess another life lesson, I don't know if this really answers your question, but again, being the oldest of four, having my two who are so different, it was like, oh, now I see the squeaky wheel gets the grease, like whoever that happens to be in the moment. And I remember, you know, when you have siblings and you're like, why is she getting all the attention? And, you know, and everybody expects me just to take care of my business, you know, and it's like, well, because you have to meet the needs of the most urgent needs of whichever child needs you at the time. And so I always, it really made me appreciate my own mom and parents because I don't know how you do it with four kids. Like I really... I really value having a deep relationship with each of my children. And I don't know how you'd have the time to spread yourself across. I mean, I, I just, I have mad respect for. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, big families, I mean, you could potentially have four different personalities you're working yeah, with and trying yeah. to raise. Well, we definitely do in my yeah. siblings, I think so. No, that's great. That's, that's a great answer. I, I think that's my favorite so far. Um, how do you read? Well, how, I guess they're teenagers, so it might even be more interesting. The answer to this one. How do you react when one of your kids does something wrong? Well, I try to look at everything as a learning experience. And so I know that in my own life, I've made some pretty stupid choices and big mistakes. Sure. And when things get contentious at home or, you know, tempers rise and I realize like I'm raising my voice and getting angry, I think, wow, well, I'm. I've got at least 30 more years of experience than you do and I'm not keeping my cool. So I have to take a breath and like, I like to model apologizing. Like yes. I try to be the example that I want to see in them, which you have to be humble to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that respect is earned from your kids and relationships are built by modeling what you want to see more so than taking a hardcore authority you know, and there are consequences. I'm not saying there are not consequences for things, but the consequences are directly tied to whatever the mistake was. It's not just punitive. You know, I, I love that. I'm going to reach off camera here for a second. I just got this. I'm going to be interviewing the gentleman who wrote this book, David Thomas soon. And you like okay. nailed it to a, oh, to cool. a T. I mean, it, it's about raising emotionally strong boys, but you talk about that modeling concept. Yeah. And that is what he's all about. I love that. Thank you for that answer. That is. Oh, sure. Incredible. Well, I have a friend who's an author who says, if it's true, it ain't new. 
true. Nothing new so under I the really sun. I really love it when something comes and I'm like, oh, other people have thought of this already. It's resonating with people. So that's it, good. It, it definitely is. And I understand that modeling. And then also that having to humble yourself before my, my children are six and four. Okay. Uh, my son, Davey, is six and my daughter, Maggie, is four. So one of each as well. And yeah, it's, it is very humbling when you have to apologize to a six-year-old for how you acted to uh-huh. their outburst. But what a great, yeah, a great example to set though, too. And just the idea, I don't know what your kids are like, but like I said, my son, um, he was, he was tough when he was a toddler and we had a lot of work to do with him sort of developmentally and just that keeping calm and like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm putting you in timeout and he's getting up and I'm putting you in timeout, but I'm not going to let myself escalate because that's not going to solve anything. <laughs> Well, and I, and I fall for my daughter's, uh, you know, little pouty face all the time. I'm, I'm such a sucker. Oh, my they they are different also. And, it, yeah. and I'm just, she's like, daddy. I'm like, oh man. Oh, I can't be mad at you. They call that the puppy dog eyes in my house. And my daughter's the only one who gets to employ them and it doesn't work on me. It only works on my husband. <laughs> uh, it just, as I'm sure he would understand as a dad, it just, it, it just kills you. <laughs> All right. So what is the best book, podcast, or other research that you found on parenting? On parenting? Um, well, I really enjoy Glennon Doyle. I don't know if you're familiar with her at all. Yeah. Um, she wrote some books when my kids were younger. We're the same age. Our kids are the same age. Um, I actually went and saw her speak years ago. And cool. uh, she wrote a book called Carry On Warrior that were just stories about her own motherhood experiences with three young children that are hysterical and also very compassion building kind of stories. Yeah. Um, and she still does a podcast now. She went on to start a really cool nonprofit that actually um, fundraises millions of dollars to help and her, her philosophy is to go deep rather than wide. So she'll pick like one family that really needs assistance with something and that's who they fund, you know? Um, but then it's gone on with the way things are in the world. Like they've helped refugee families in Ukraine and they do all kinds of really cool work. So Glennon Doyle, and she has a podcast with her, um, with her wife and sister that's called we can do hard things. And that's a really good one. Interesting. And then I also really enjoy reading um, Brene Brown. Uh, she's yes. a sociologist out of the university of Houston and she's pretty awesome. I, I've read or listened to all of her books. So awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing those resources with us. I appreciate yes. it. All right. Last one of the lightning round here. Give all us right. a quote or a concept you're meditating on lately. Oh my goodness. Um, sometimes my mantra is um that i've left something better than it was it doesn't have to be perfect (laughs) yeah yeah, no i like that but with meditation usually i'll pick a challenge that's going on in my life and i just pick two words um and and i'll breathe one in and breathe one out and then see where it sort of takes me so um we could probably do another whole podcast on that too. <laughs> sure, I actually, sure. I had thyroid cancer 10 years ago. And so one of my big meditations during that time was to heal my voice because that was the sort of the part of my body that was affected. Yeah. And it started out like heal my thyroid, but in the meditation process, I realized there was some stuff I needed to work through sort of spiritually on relationships with people. I'm a singer and I started singing again. So it was, you know, that was based on just picking those two words that resonated with me at the moment and seeing where they take me. No, that, that's beautiful. I actually have a hypothyroid, thyroidism myself. So I, mm-hmm. I, 
I ha- haven't had to go to, to that route, thankfully, but um, that's just amazing and inspiring that you're able to overcome that. You know, that's something that you did and loved and then um, you had to fight your way back to it. So that's, yeah. uh, that's so encouraging. Thank you for sharing that. Cool. Well, this is the part of the podcast, part of the show where you can tell us about where we can connect with you, Lisa, and learn more about the People Project. Well, like I said, I work at the Adams County Arts Council that is located at 125 South Washington Street in Gettysburg at our Arts Education Center. Um, You can email me at lcadigan, that's L-C-A-D-I-G-A-N at adamsarts.org. You can visit our website, www.adamsarts.org, and you can call us at 717-334-5006. Perfect. Thank you so much, Uh, folks. I will link all that information up in the show notes so you can check that out and participate. Lisa, thanks so much for coming on the show. You're definitely a gift to the Gettysburg community here, and we so appreciate you. God grant you and your family many blessed years. Take care. Thank you so much. Those are really kind words and thanks for having me. No problem at all. Good And good luck with the project. We look forward to big things later this year. Well, actually, before we before we end, I, I almost forgot. When will it go live? When oh, will the- Yeah, so the culminating event performance is October 23rd and 24th. Uh, we are going to be at the Core Theater, which is the movie theater back at Mela Kitchen Restaurant, which is where Frank's Theaters used to be near the outlets. They have generously donated their space to us. They have a movie theater that they've kept intact. Um, And they have like sound system and it's it's a very cool performance space for the community. So Uh, well, we look forward to that again. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Fridays with Abbott Trifon on the Dad Devotionals Network. To hear more from the Abbott, head over to daddevotionals.com slash Abbott Trifon and follow his blog at abbottrifon.com. You can also connect with him at facebook.com slash Abbott Trifon. Until next time, God bless.